Hello and welcome to the 26th episode of the Unsigned Manager podcast. My name is Sijikola Wale and each week I take a look at football's biggest headlines, stories and events from both the past and the present to take a look at the situation and really get to know what's going on. Now this week with another managerial sacking there's pretty much only one story I could cover. This club have been pretty much stinky since the beginning of the last season and you could say that since they made the Champions League final they have not hit the potential that they should have at all. Three managers later, key players leaving the club, a jumbled squad, still no improvements. This week I take a look at the comedy club that is Tottenham Hotspur. So let's get into the episode. Now I am biased. I'm a lifelong Arsenal fan, always have been, always will be, apart from a brief period where I was a Bolton fan, but I will cover that another episode. And so, by the rules of being an Arsenal fan, I have to dislike Tottenham. I don't make the rules, I don't always agree with the rules, but I abide by them. But there was a point where following those rules were really hard because Tottenham were great. I used to say to anyone that would listen that after Arsenal... Tottenham were the team I'd watched in the league the most. Between 2014 and 2018, no, 2014, 2019, Tottenham were amazing. There was two different eras. There was a fun Carl Walker, Luka Modric, Moussa Dembele team. Moussa Dembele, what a player. And then there was the second half of that era that made their Champions League final and should have won a league title when Leicester shocked the world. But Tottenham were great. They had a top manager, Mauricio Pochettino, who they managed to grab from Southampton and anyone in the league would have died for him to be their manager. Teams around Europe, Inter Milan should have taken him, Real Madrid should have taken him, Poch was the guy. That Champions League run they put together in the 18-19 season was incredible. A fantastic two-legged tie against Manchester City with bonkers defending and last minute offsides and Fernando Llorente turning into Primar and that is a bunch of stuff happening. Then they get past that and a semi-final against European darlings Ajax where Llorente again becomes Primar Hughes and he's battering the lick all up and down the Amsterdam Arena. Lucas Moura is finishing like he's a like he's a Ballon d'Or winning nine and driving through space and Tottenham have managed to somehow put themselves in a Champions League final. This was this was a horrendous day for me. Here's me thinking, I have to now pick between Liverpool winning a Champions League final and Tottenham winning one. My heart is broken. But the final wasn't meant to be. Harry Kane had been injured in the Champions League run, which has led Spurs to really uh, alter the way that they played. But Kane had come back, rushed back from injury again, which we'll cover. And... It completely messed up the rhythm of the team. They didn't play with as much pace as they could have. And Liverpool were better in what was a pretty dry game, to be honest. But for this Spurs team, with a squad that isn't too old and has one of the best managers in the world, you would have assumed they would have got it together and maybe not hit the heights of a Champions League final again, but they would have been been ready to compete in England and become a serious force over the coming years. But ever since then, it's just been a steady decline. And now we're here. So if you don't know, I'm going to give you the cliff notes of Tottenham's recent history. Just to understand the context of why it's bad where they are today. Poch is sacked after a poor run over four or five months after the Champions League final. Which is a bold move considering 
Tottenham didn't give him the transfer budget that he wanted and he famously came out in a press conference saying, I've been asking for a washing machine and they got me a tumble dryer and it's not exactly the squad that he wanted. Poch has said that he knew the team needed a rebuild and a reorganisation but because Daniel Levy had spent so much on the stadium, that stadium that overran by £500 million, Tottenham did not have the funds to sign players. This was a team that was finishing top three in the league and ready to compete. But they spent a summer transfer window with no signings. Anyway, Poch is gone. In comes Jose Mourinho. Mad night. No one expected Mourinho to be the guy to take over. Mourinho starts really brightly. I think he starts with a 3-2 win at home against Aston Villa. I believe Tongu Ndombele scored on that day. And... Tottenham are on a run. They've got a hot streak where they're near the top of the league. There was a stretch where they were top. We saw them go to Old Trafford and abuse Manchester United. I don't know why this Manchester United team has a problem with big teams coming to Old Trafford, but that's a whole separate separate subject. It seemed like Tottenham could be a problem under Jose. They had everything you would need. A physical nine, a physical central midfield, big defenders, pace out wide. Everything Jose Mourinho wants in his kind of team, they had that. Especially with Son and Kane playing like Burkamp and Henri. Kane managing to be, at the same time, the best creator and the best goal scorer in the league. It's all mad. But then that Mourinho mojo kicks in and Spurs fans were subjected to poor defending and no attack and a stifling midfield that doesn't move the ball forward and they were so passive and timid and scared in games it was so weird to watch the key games that point out in my head were obviously Tottenham away at the Etihad against Manchester City was awful awful I think that was one of the games where Kane didn't have a touch in the box Tottenham could not move the ball forward they were playing a three back that included Sanchez and Eric Dyer, which was poor and Sanchez gets turned inside out by Ilkay Gundogan who was in his Frank Lampard mode it was just painful to watch but that wasn't just the isolated experience week after week Tottenham would go into games almost like they were trying not to lose rather than trying to win it wasn't great big starlet Deli Alli just just got removed from the squad by Jose he had a hot two games and then Jose was like, no, sorry, not using him anymore. Tongi Ndombele, the biggest signing in Tottenham history, had a train alone in a park in London. It was, it was rough. It was rough. And I don't even mind him as a player, but the levels that Davis and Sanchez went to under Poch to under Jose were really startling at the change in mentality of the squad. The guy literally looked like a fish out of water. Rightly or wrongly, Mourinho was sacked a week before Tottenham's first domestic cup final in forever. The first one I would have ever seen with my own eyes. Wrongly, in my opinion, by the way. I know over a league campaign, Jose might not be the guy anymore and he's going to have issues with the squad. But before your first cup final in a very long time, a proven, proven manager sacking him a week before that game, only to have an interim come in who has no professional experience. Ryan Mason, respect to the guy, but he's only coaching because he got hurt, which is fair. But he's the same age as a player. What what respect is Ryan Mason going to command? Tottenham were terrible in that game as well. Manchester City won 1-0, but they honestly could have won 10-0. It was surprising how many big chances they squandered. They had signed Mourinho to such a big contract, and it was just like 
uh, Poch forty million pounds to buy him out of that contract. So they when they sacked him, they had to pay Jose big money. And this is a guy that Jose respect respected a guy, one of my favorites, personality times ten. It's twenty twenty one. He is one of the only managers who still doesn't want stats and data about his players, which I just find so odd. He didn't want his players to wear any training vests. He didn't really want any numbers on any performance. He just said, I can do everything by my eye, which is great and useful for you, Jose, but that doesn't do anything for the other staff members in your team. And apparently the fitness levels and strength and condition of the Tottenham players were so low after he left, it was worrying. And that was why they were gassing out 20 minutes and half an hour into games. It was it was terrible. Anyway, Jose's gone. He gets the boot. Tottenham in the summer, they have the transfer saga of a lifetime. Alright, important things in this are A. Harry Kane is the top two striker in the world when he's fully fit and healthy. B. Tottenham are not good enough to have a top two striker in the world at the club. C. Harry Kane signs ridiculous contracts because he must have forgot who Daniel Levy is. Now, Kane is running around in the summer... Um, just before the Euros and after the Euros, telling Gary Neville on golf courses and stinking up the Tottenham change room that he's had enough of Tottenham and he wants to move on and progress in his career and compete for trophies. And that's more than fair. This is a guy that's given his life to this club. He's done everything for them. He's been the best striker in the league. Well, him and Aguero have been the two best strikers in the league, not even close. And there's seasons where Kane looks like he's the best nine on the planet. He's the kind of player who could be competing for Premier League titles and he's probably looking at the career of a Robin Van Persie thinking if I stay here I will not ever win anything that hurt but Van Persie was right so Kane's had enough and Manchester City conveniently have just got rid of their best striker Sergio Aguero and they're looking for a new knight to replace him now Kane and City look like a match made in heaven City need a striker who can create as well as finish and Kane finished last season as top goalscorer and top assister in the league. City need a striker who can vacate the front line to give the wide men chance to duck inside and finish and make those runs in between the fullback and the centre back. Harry Kane just spent an entire season letting Holman Son be the striker and make that exact run in between the fullback and the centre back. It seemed like a perfect fit, and that Tottenham would crumble under the pressure and the chance to make big money off a star player who is injury prone and reaching the end of his 20s. But if you think that's going to happen, then let me introduce you to Daniel Levy. Levy's a mafia boss, he's Don Corleone, he's a, he's a tough negotiator and legendarily good at making sure he gets the value from his players that he wants when they leave. Harry Kane must have forgotten this and thought Levy was going to let City buy him out of a six-year contract that he signed because he's a bit annoyed. And he's a bit miffed and he wants a bit more competition in his play. That's not happening. <laughs> City also did not help themselves having just spent £100 million on Jack Grealish, who is a very good player. But Jack Grealish is... <sighs> Jack Grealish is probably... And I mean this nicely. Two-thirds of the player, maybe half the player Harry Kane is. The effect he could have on that City team is nowhere near the effect that Kane could have. So if you're signing him for 100 mil. I don't know how City thought that Tottenham would would accept 100 mil as well. 
They bid 110, 120, 130. But Levy was not letting it happen for less than 150. And City had a few goals were chopping down the tree, but you just can't apply pressure to that guy. And I haven't even got to the part where they couldn't find a manager for months and they appointed someone who was fifth or sixth choice. They were going to go with Gattuso. They tried to get Conte. They tried to get a whole list of people, Paulo Fonseca. The last man they ended up signing was a guy who they, who no one, no one expected them to sign because no one wanted him. Tottenham have been such a shamble since the Champions League final. It's so strange. They had a top squad of creative players and young starlets. And the only thing they really needed to tweak was the defence because Vertonghen was getting a little bit older and Ardeviraud a bit too. Instead, now I look at the Tottenham squad and I think, you need a bunch of you need a bunch of things fixed here or you need someone to completely come in and change the system because your squad's not great. They had one of the best players in the world, one of the best managers in the world, and a great negotiator as chairman. It's confusing that they couldn't keep this going. Anyway, to make a long story less long, Tottenham signed Nuno Espirito Santo. Now, I remember saying on the podcast, this podcast, by the way, if you don't know, it's going to be a long list of me saying I'm right about stuff for like the next few years to come. I said, Nuno's not going to work there. I remember saying that because... I read that Levy and Paratici talking about how they wanted attacking football and to bring the field back to Tottenham and get back to the old days and move the ball forward. And I'm thinking, if anyone ever watched Nuno at Wolves, against small teams, yeah, they might dominate the ball and be a bit more aggressive, but Wolves were known for sit deep and counter. They were known for that. The reason everyone loved Adama Traore is because he was like, the A-level version of Alassie and Maximan, where his team is sitting deep and Traore is dragging them 50 yards up the pitch. The reason that Jimenez and Jota were so effective is because they had yards to get into. I don't know why they thought Nuno was going to be the guy to bring the field back. I remember I said that. I remember thinking, hmm. In fairness to him, he did start well. Um, beat Man City on the opening day of the season. I think he had three 1-0 wins in his first three games and one manager of the month. But as soon as everyone realises that your team is scared to attack, you're not going to do nothing. We're going to press you high. We're going to squeeze your team. We're going to suffocate you. And if you haven't got the outlet, then you're screwed. Kane was injured, so he was in and out. And then his form was iffy and everyone thought that he was stinking it up because he wanted to go to City. But the nail in the coffin is a game like last week against Man United. Man United are coming off the biggest loss in recent history. As in, the Tottenham loss was more goals conceded, but it was less of a field than your biggest rival coming and trampling all over you at home. That midfield is in disarray. (laughs) No one knows what's happening there. Rather than playing an aggressive midfield, one that's going to drive the ball forward and really put pressure on that Manchester United midfield, he played Hoybier and Skip and then Lacelso in front of them. Why not play Undombele and put real ask questions of Fred and McTominay? Put them under pressure. He went Nuno was a conservative manager, which is fine, people can win games like that, but conservatism at a club where they don't defend well right now. So you need to be putting all your best talent and all your best attacking talent on the pitch as much as possible, especially when the chairman is saying he wants to go back to attacking football. It's just a breakdown in communication all the way down the club. It's just poor decision-making. Nuno's gone. 
And now the man, the, <laughs> the serial winner, the favourite, the guy I love so much, Antonio Conte's at the club. And I think if Conte had been the man to take over from Poch's squad, like the morale, it's not too much different players, but the morale and the sentiment, that would have been terrifying. That would have been something very, very special. If you had given Conte the end of Alderweireld, that would have been very scary. I think he'll be fine at Tottenham. Um, I don't think he'll last long. His contract's 18 months. I'd be surprised if Conte was there for more than two and a half years. I can see him doing two years and leaving because there is going to be a day. <laughs> okay, if Levy has worked this out before, before Conte signed the contract, then all power to him. But I think there's going to be a day where Conte will say, I need X million to make this team as competitive as you say you want it to be. Levy will mm and ah about it because Conte won't want to get rid of Harry Kane. Harry Kane is going to be his Romelu Lukaku more skilled. He's going to be his Diego Costa way more skilled. It's going to be a problem having Conte, um, giving Conte Harry Kane because think about everything Conte was able to achieve at Inter with Lautaro Martinez running off and being very pressing and squeezing high and Lukaku being the finisher. And then he used Lukaku and developed his, his playmaking and his passing so that he could find Martinez more. He doesn't have to do any of that now because he has Kane and Son. I think this is going to be a, a problem team. Everyone thinking that he's going to play three at the back. Um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be wedded to that. He didn't always play three at the back at Chelsea. He only played three at the back after he lost at Arsenal. Um, yeah, they got battered by us. And he decided that three at the back would be better. And then he sat with it in Inter Milan. It made more sense because of the defenders he has. I'm not sure if he'll play three at the back at Tottenham, but I'm not really fussed either way around. I think this squad will do better under Conte because he's much more aggressive. Um, he will squeeze higher than Nuno. He'll, he won't be as passive in games as Nuno or Mourinho. The issue is, I think that Levy and Conte will have a problem at some point. But for Spurs right now, all you should think about is, we got rid of two managers. We've had lots of instability since our manager left, since Poch left. Kane wants to leave. Son isn't that young. Our core young star players who we thought were really going to develop haven't really kicked on. Ali hasn't kicked on. Bergwijn hasn't kicked on. Ryan Sessignon, who even knows what happened to him? So what you're looking for is Conte to come in, settle the squad down, get a system right in place and make them much more aggressive now. And I think he'll be fine to do that. I think this this is the example, like I was saying last week um, with Manchester United. This is what can happen when you run a club like a business and not like a football team. Because some of the decisions Tottenham have made have, made have not been good at all. And I think they've been poor footballing decisions because you've been thinking about other things instead. Quickly, anything else that I would like to cover? Um, Arsenal, shout out to Emil Smith-Rowe. People saying he's the best with the ball at his feet in the league. I don't know about that. I don't know where this came from, but that's a horrendous take. That's not true. But Arsenal putting real good pressure on teams right now. Shout out to Arteta. Feels like he's got a system sorted. Just seemed like he needed his young players to settle in a little bit more. Um, Tomiyasu has been a great signing. Ben White has been better than I thought he would have been. I think the, the issue for us in the summertime will be 
looking for a nine, I would have sold Aubameyang and Lacazette. I wasn't the camp of people who should have sold Aubameyang and Lacazette after we won the FA Cup. When Aubameyang ripped Chelsea in the FA Cup final, I would have been calling every club and asking if they wanted him then. I would have snatched that 80 million off Barcelona at the time. Because now we have two ageing strikers on big contracts, big, big contracts, who need to be replaced. Which is a bit of a pain. I think Liverpool are going to go through that same issue. When when your front three is ageing out at the same time, it's a pain in the arse to have to... Have to um, redevelop and regenerate that squad because you can't afford to lose all of them at once but if I was Arsenal actually Odson Edouard would have been a player I would have been going after but Dusan Vlahovic seems like the guy the club wants to go to maybe for 50 to 80 million pounds depending on how much Fiorentina fight for it um, I can't say I'm too well informed I think I have to do a lot more research on him to find out if he's the guy but Arsenal should be looking at a nine in the summer. Tottenham for their club, I would be looking at a right back. Emerson Royale, I'm not sure. I'd be looking at um, maybe a central midfield player. Another one, Le Celso, had big heights in Spain and in France, but not sure he's really been hitting it. Backup striker, as always, Tottenham's perpetual problem. But uh, hopefully Conte can get the money. No, not hopefully Conte can get the money and sort that out. But That'll be the end of this week's episode. Really appreciate it, guys. Episode 26 in the books. Um, big game this weekend. Manchester United, Manchester City. Quick score prediction before the game kicks off. I would say Manchester City to win 2-1. Um, City not to be very convincing, but United not to be good enough to capitalise. Uh, but that's what I'd say for right now. I'll see you guys next week. Peace.